The church is, fill in the blank. You know, there are so many different answers that you might come up with if I began like that. The church is what? The church is where? You might think of all kinds of characteristics to give me, but today I'm gonna answer the question from the scripture, the church is. We're gonna talk about that for just a few moments. This is our Cross City Church series. For the last three weeks, we've been focusing on those three words that make up our umbrella name, Cross City Church. I want you to say it with me. Are you ready? Cross City Church. One more time. Cross City Church. And we have to get used to saying that because that name is a little different. We've always been known as First Euless or First Baptist Church, Euless. And uh, beginning at the first of this year, we took on the umbrella name Cross City Church. First Euless is this campus and North will be that campus. That lets us have uh, one church and more than one location, one church and two locations. So Cross City Church. Two weeks ago, we looked at the cross and you see in front of me a, a huge cross much like what I carve every Good Friday. We'll be doing that again this Good Friday where we take the time to carve a cross while we walk through the Bible's depiction of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we ask the question, what is the message of the cross? If we're going to identify with the cross, if that cross is going to be part of our name, what is the cross all about? And we answer that by saying this, the cross is a message to the world about God's heart. First of all, it says, you are loved. Secondly, it says you are justified. Then it says you are saved. You're saved from the wrath of God. The cross says you are reconciled to God. And the cross says that you are sanctified by God. All that is what the cross says. And the message of the cross goes to the world that says, this is what God says about you. This is what God thinks about you. And ultimately, this is what God has done for you. If there's one line that's resonated over the last three weeks, it's this one. God brings the message of the cross to the city through the church. God brings the message of the cross to the city through the church. And we're going to talk about the church today. Why don't you take your Bibles and take them to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Stand with me as we begin to read this passage together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. This is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Not just the global church, not the invisible church, but a local group of people. The people of the city of Ephesus who gathered, who were called the called out ones, those who were called out from the world, that's what the word church really means, called out ones, that God has called out of the world and into his family. So to the church at Ephesus, here's what he writes. Some amazing words about the church of Jesus Christ beginning in verse 19, Ephesians 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The powerful statement about the church that we want to talk about today. The church is, we're going to look at that. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we pray that you would give us great insight into what the church of Jesus Christ really is. And Father, in a, in a time and a place and in a world where so many bad things are said about the church, we need to look today at what you've said the church is ideally to be. And to look at the things that the church is doing that nobody else can do. 
Father, thank you so much for the positive and powerful influence that the church of Jesus Christ has on our lives and on the world. And today, speak to us about this. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. I have now pastored more than 33 years as a senior pastor. But I've been in the church my whole life. My entire life, my father was a pastor of small churches in small towns in Oklahoma and, and then the state of Utah. And finally, the last 20 years of his life in the Phoenix, uh, Arizona area. I've always been around the church. I was, I was born into the church, if you will. I, I, was a, I was a part of the church from early, early on. I, I know what it's like to be in the nursery and crawling around on the floor. I know what it's like to be rocked by, by a loving grandmother type who really helped me know something about Jesus early on. I know what it's like to be able to go through uh, what we call the elementary years or the junior years. Uh, of learning about the Bible. I, I know what it's like to be a student in student ministry, in a college ministry in my college town. Um, I, I know what it's like to be a young adult in the church. I just know the church inside and out. I've watched the church at her best and I've watched the church at her worst. I remember being in college when my father was nearly forcibly removed from the church where he was pastoring, all kinds of bad politics going on and having a bad taste in my mouth about the church, but I can also remember some time when God has used the church in my life in such a powerful way to do a U-turn in my heart, in my mind, and help me get in the right direction. It's in the church that I've heard some amazing messages that have challenged me. It's in the church that relationships have been built that have helped me be the very best I possibly can be because of those people. It's part of the church that has come to me and reproved me and reprimanded me in my earlier years, especially when someone would have the courage to stand up and talk to me in a very real way and say, you're going the wrong way. The church has so many incredible, amazing things about it. I, I'm up on the church today. I know the world may not like what the church represents, but I'm up on the church. I'm big on the church because the church is where I see God working in a supernatural way. The church is where lives are transformed. I've seen so many people give their lives to Jesus Christ through the ministry of the church. The church is where the presence of God comes, where the people gather to worship. The church is where we grow in faith and in knowledge. The church is like an unstoppable force that impacts the world in a huge way. Lots of good things about the church are going on. And today as we look at the book of Ephesians and this text we're looking at, I want you to see some things that God says about the church that impacts your life. Are you ready? There are four of them that I want to talk about today. Number one, the church is where everyone can belong. The church is where everyone can belong. Would you look at the beginning of that text in verse 19? Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, people that have been far from God before they came to know Jesus Christ, which is where all of us are. And if you talk, take time to read the first few verses of Ephesians 2, you'll see it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you walked formerly according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that's now working in the son of disobedience. Do you see that? And then do you see there where God interjects and intervenes in there? It says in verse three, we too were formerly living in the lusts of our flesh. But verse four says, but God being rich in mercy, so the Bible is speaking to a group of people that have been far from God, and now it says to them, you are, because of Christ, no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the church. Now today, I'm gonna to talk about three different words in this text as we walk through it. 
And each of these different words have one common similarity. It is the use of a prefix in the Greek that talks about being together with. You know, when we talk about being together, sometimes we use the word with as in a side-by-side. I'm with someone who's next to me. I'm seated with someone. We're just side-by-side. But these three uses of this word are different. They're not side-by-side, they're intertwined. I'm with somebody in an intertwined kind of way. I'm with someone inseparably. In the past, I've used this and called this the biscuit word, where you put out your flour and your, your sugar and everything else it takes to make biscuits, and you have ingredients that are with one another until you mix them up. And then when you mix them all up, they're inseparable from that moment. They go from this kind of worth to this kind of worth. And three times in this text, the Bible says, you are fellow citizens. You are built up together. You're with one another in an inseparable way. And Paul begins by simply saying the church is where everyone, everyone can belong. No matter what your background, no matter what your past is, you can belong with each other in the church. Now I happen to know this, and you know this is true as well. We live in a world of isolation. We live in a world of division. We live in a world of loneliness. We live in a world where people are alienated at every moment, but the church is the one place where you can belong and be accepted and to be loved and to be embraced and to be interlocked with one another in Christ. It's a beautiful picture. The church is God's family. And as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, you become a child of God and he has provided the church for you to be a part of something. Every single one of you, no matter who you are, if you come to faith in Jesus, you are part of God's family and you belong. Maybe some of us, for the first time in our lives, feel like we belong, we belong, and in Christ you belong. Someone say, man, man, that's a great point. I remember uh, when we, uh, our family was young, my wife and I would take our kids on vacation. And uh, when we had a small number of kids, it was kind of an easy thing, but as our family grew to six children, it became a monumental thing. And we always had a vehicle with lots of seats in it. I mean, at one point we had a van that looked kind of like a church van. We had six kids and it almost looked like a church van, kind of an embarrassing vehicle, right? But most of the time we had a Suburban with a seat in the very back that was seat three, a seat in the middle that was seat three, and then the two seats up front for my wife and I. And we'd go on vacation with those kids. We were crazy enough to go on vacation with those kids. We went to the Grand Canyon, we've gone to New York City, we've gone to Philadelphia, we've gone to the beach a lot, but we went on trips with those kids and and I don't think there was a time that we went on a trip with those kids where I didn't have to pull the car off to the side of the road and stop the action in the back seat and get everything squared away again, if you know what I mean. I'm really glad I have a really, really long arm and a long reach into that third seat. Those kids could not believe that hand was coming their way. Now, I knew this about my children, about my family, that if we were to go on vacation together, it was going to be a lot of problems and a lot of trouble. And it was. (laughs) But I put them in the car anyway. And I put them in the car anyway because I love them anyway. And because even though they don't always behave perfectly, they behave well some of the time because I wanted to experience life together with them, because I wanted to have great memories with them, I put them in the car anyway. Last night I was looking at some pictures in one of our photo albums and it brought back incredible meaning and incredible memories for me to watch some of those years go by in picture form as we all piled into the car and we went somewhere together. 
Now I'm saying this to you, I'm, I'm helping you see this story because I want you to know today that you've been included in the vehicle that Jesus drives to get us places. He really does, the church of Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. Jesus knew every stupid, sinful, foolish, and self-centered decision we would ever make. And yet he still created us and put us on the planet. And then he chose us to be his. And he called us out of the world. And he put us in the church where we have a place that we call home, where we have a place that we move together and live together. The church is where everyone can belong. If you've ever been in our guest reception center at the end of the services, I always say this about our church. I say three things you need to know about our church. Number one, we're a group of people, not a place, not a location, but a group of people who, first of all, love God. I hope you can see we love God. Secondly, we're a group of people that love Scripture, and I'll tell you some reasons why. We just love Scripture. But thirdly, we're a group of people who love people. Because really, loving God and loving Scripture is so important. But equally important is the love that we have for people that's so vitally important. You see, when we love one another, we extend the opportunity to be family members together. When we love one another, we recognize that we're all really outcast until we come to Christ and he brings us into the family of God. When we love one another, what we're doing is we're demonstrating the truth that the church is a place where everybody can belong. Now, as my children grew up, I told them this. I said, when you leave, when you leave home, when you go off to make your way in life, if you ever fall, if you ever stumble, if you ever mess up, I want you to know you can still come home and we will help you. And I hope you'll do that if ever life gets difficult. And I will say this to you about the church. The church says the eternal message, wherever you are, wherever you've been from, however far away you've been, you can come home to the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what's up about the church. And that's what's good about the church. Amen. The Bible says the church is a place where everyone can belong. But Paul doesn't stop there. He moves on and says something else. He says the church is where everyone can stand confidently. You see, the next line in that text says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, there's a lot of ways to translate this text, and sometimes people get into the semantics and the different ways of viewing this, but the bottom line on the truth of this text is that Jesus is the cornerstone. There's only one. If you were to go to the temple today, built by Herod back in the day. And if you were to go up on Temple Mount, you would see this kind of cornerstone that Paul is referring to. The cornerstone there, the largest one, and the retaining wall of the Temple Mount is 44 feet long. Think about that with me, 44 feet long. It's 15 feet wide, it's 11 feet tall, and it weighs around 600 tons. Now the cornerstone is specifically placed so that all the other stones of two adjoining walls can rest strongly and firmly on that cornerstone and it's designed to be immovable. So what Paul is saying is the church is in a place and the church is in one place. It is the one way that you can stand firmly, first on Jesus Christ and then on the word of God in a time when all the rest of the world around us is not standing firmly. We can stand firmly, we can stand confidently on Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can stand firmly on the word of God that he gives us to live by. A couple of verses. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, where Jesus is talking 
to Peter. Acts chapter 16, excuse me, Matthew, verse 18. He says to Peter, after he's revealed to Peter and the Father has revealed to Peter that Jesus is the Messiah, he says to Peter, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is referring to himself, the fact that he is the Son, the Son of God, he is the foundation of the church, he's the cornerstone. Now Paul's referring back to that as he says the cornerstone, you're built on the cornerstone. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus talks about another way to understand that foundation. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and eat them or acts on them may be compared to a man who builds his house upon the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and they slammed against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The rock that we build our lives on is Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone and his word continues as our foundation. The book of 1 Timothy, the Bible, talks about the church as the pillar and ground of truth. That means the church is based on scripture. We're here because God decided we would be here. We're here because the scripture points out that that's our role. And as that, we are, as the word of God, the immovable expression of God in a meandering world of truths and half-truths and alternative truths and all kinds of changing of minds, we can stand firm and confident that God has already revealed his truth to us. Let me tell you, this Bible you have in your hands is God's word to us for today, for tomorrow, and for forever. Aren't you glad that you have something that you can stand on confidently? We're built on a rock. That means we're firm. It means we're good. If we have a question about anything in life, we open the word of God that's given to us so that we can stand firmly. And we see that it's all built on the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. We can stand firmly. I don't think there's any doubt today that uh, as you look around you, you have all kinds of people questioning everything about life and about identity and about what truth is. In fact, I see some who move away from the church because of this truth that God has already declared what is, what is right, what is true. And the people that move away from the church move away because they want a foundation to be changed to accept their truth. You ever thought about what really you're saying when you move away from the church and away from the word of God? Basically you're saying is, I want to attempt to lead God instead of allowing him to lead us. And sometimes in our culture, we're trying to reprogram the Bible rather than let the Bible reprogram us. And that's always a losing proposition. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your truth. You're going to lose your conscience. You can even lose your life by trying to reprogram what truth is. But the Bible says that the church is the one place where we can stand firm on the Word of God. And we emphasize through the teaching of the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, the worship of the God of Scripture, and all that He says for us that we can stand firm in a world that's being swept away by all kinds of different ideas. The church is the one place you can stand no matter what because we know the truth of God's Word. So, next time you read something on the internet, next time you listen to something on TV, the next time you hear political movements right or left, the next time you see celebrities speak about this or that, I urge you to go back to the rock, stand on that foundation upon which we're built and stay there confident that God has already spoken and there is no need to change it. Amen? We can be confident in that. You and I don't have to walk around doubting. We don't have to walk around wondering because the church of Jesus Christ has been given to us so that we can stand confidently on the word 
of God. That's why we spend so much time preaching and teaching and in small groups opening the Bible and urging you to read your Bible through and urging you to, to build your life on the scripture because that's the only place to successfully build, as Jesus says. Number three, number three. The church is where everyone can fit and contribute. The Bible goes on in this verse and says, in whom the whole building being fitted together. So there's another line there that helps us know that with is not just this, but this. Did you know that when you become a part of the church of Jesus, you are fitted together with other believers? Now I know there's a tremendous amount of free will in our minds and people flit about from church to church to church, sometimes led by the Lord, sometimes just simply led by their own desires or their own uh, inclinations. But when you know where God has placed you and you become a part of that, you're fitted together in a supernatural way. The verbs here are passive. It means we don't actively fit with another, but God places us, as it were, in this, on this uh, jigsaw puzzle of life fitted with somebody else that can challenge us and grow us and build us up and we are fit and we can contribute to the whole church of Jesus Christ. Now that's so big, that's a big deal. Why? Because where else in life can you, can you join with an amazing movement instituted, inaugurated and initiated by God himself, led by God himself, empowered by God himself and make a difference in a world that's desperately moving in the wrong direction because you're you're fitted and you're contributing to the church. You can't do that anywhere else except the church of Jesus Christ. Every person, every gift, every possible way to impact people's lives is taken into account. And together we're like a mighty, unstoppable force for good and for God, every single one of us. Now somebody in this building today is surely in their mind saying, well, I don't have a lot that I can contribute to the church, but I, I want you to see that that's not true. Some of you may say, you know, I wasn't really raised in the church and I really haven't been a believer for a long time and, and, and I just don't know what other people know, so I don't know if I can fit, I don't know if I can contribute, but look, you're here today because God has you here today. You will fit and you can contribute if you'll allow yourself day by day to be used by God. You came into this building today to worship God. Do you know when you came to, get to, to worship God, whether it was through prayer, whether it was through worship and praise, you lifted your voice up, shaking the hand of someone next to you, you fitted and you contributed along with everybody else in here. And when our voices were lifted to God, we were part of a huge symphony. We were part of an incredible sound that, that God is pleased with as we worship. You come to worship and you come to contribute to the praises of God. Some of you come and you give, you give of your hard earned wages that you work for week in and week out. And as you give tithes and offerings to the Lord, you make an impact on somebody's life somewhere else or even in this region because we are fitted and we contribute together to the kingdom of God. What an incredible thing to be able to do after a week of work to say, I not only see enough to take care of myself, but to impact somebody else. We fit and we contribute together when we serve when we give people food that they need, when we give them clothes that they need, when we reach out to them, when we teach them the Word of God the way so many are teaching our students this weekend at student camp, when we witness, we're part of a big movement of sharing the gospel, when we mentor, we're part of a huge discipleship movement begun back in the days of Jesus, when we pray for each other, when we encourage each other, we're fitting and we're contributing to each other, when we just reach out to care for somebody else, we're part of the expression of the 
the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus. You're here to fit. You're here to contribute. And every one of you can do that. Shane Pruitt, who's been here before and spoken, wrote an article recently that talked about the impact of the church as a whole. I'm going to read part of his paragraph that he wrote. He said, when the church is unified and mobilized, nothing can prevail against her. When it comes to responding to disasters, sexual slavery, orphan care, and basically any other human need, the church is the greatest responder on the face of the globe. Do we always get it right? No. Are we sometimes late to the party? Yes. However, when the church, fueled by the Holy Spirit, rallies around the cause, the world takes notice. When one of the largest floods in U.S. history hit our home state of Texas after that hurricane, the unified church responded quickly and stayed long after the news cameras had left. In fact, they're still working today, recovering and rebuilding. That's Shane Pruitt. You see, the church is at our greatest, when the greatest problems raise up around us, and we together say, all together the body of Christ can make a difference. When the church the only God plan that God has for the redemption of the world is active. When we're moving forward, when we take our mission seriously, God can use us in incredible ways. So number four, not only do we fit and contribute, but lastly, the church is where everyone can grow and progress. Did you know that by being a part of the church, you really are in a growth and progress kind of track? There's something about being a part of a family that really helps us grow, not only as individuals, but as a team. Now, there's another together here. If you notice, it says in verse 22, in whom you are also being built together. That means that not only am I sitting side by side or standing side by side with someone, but in the church, we're individually built up by the team that God forms us to be a part of. Other people help challenge me to be better and to be more Christ-like, no matter what. Now, I grew up in sports, and as I grew up in sports, my coaches were always telling me it's always about the team, not about the individual. But the funny thing is, the coach would say, now hit the weight room, even if you're by yourself, because it's about the team, not the individual. And I can remember laying down on the bench, doing the bench press reps, or squat reps, or whatever exercise it was, all by myself, thinking, how is this about the team? Because I am personally experiencing pain right now as a result of wanting to be part of the team. Or I can remember the track coach telling me, you need to go out and run, even after the lights have gone out, even after dark, because you want to win for your team. And I used to think, why am I running laps by myself? It's about the team. But the better I am as an individual, the better my team is. And as I reconvene with my team after those individual workouts, we together are stronger. And my teammates would challenge me to push harder, to run faster, to be better for the team. And the church has the ability and the tendency to do that. When we speak the truth to one another, we're challenging each other to stand up for Christ. When we're held accountable to live the life we're called to live when we're urged by the passion of others to be passionate like them, we are being fitted and we're growing up because of the teammanship of the entire church. The church has a way of growing us together if we'll stick with it. It grows us up individually, always pressing us towards Christ's likeness. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 has a great line in it. Sometimes it gets lost in the amazing golden chain of salvation that you see in verse 28 and 29 and 30. But here's what it says in the latter part of verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, 
he also predestined. Now look at the next line. That we would be conformed to the image of his son. Now let me just pause on that line for just a moment. Everything God does in our life, through the church, in our individual life, through the word of God, through the world that we live in, everything he does is designed to help us become more like the image of his son, or in other words, more like Jesus. You know, you as church members make me be more like Jesus. My hope and prayer would be I would urge you to be more like Jesus. When I walk side by side with other brothers in Christ and they challenge me and they urge me to dig deeper, to pray harder, to follow more closer to Jesus, then I become more like him. God's always about that. Sometimes the church is painful. And sometimes those admonitions are not easy. Sometimes it's kind of uncomfortable to have certain subjects talked about in our life or for God to put his finger on a certain area of our life or for us to be challenged in an area of moral purity or an area of generosity or whatever it may be. But all those things that God is doing by way of conviction and by way of, of commandment in Scripture and by way of others that encourage us is helping us grow and progress on our way to becoming more and more like Jesus. You need the church. Because when you unplug from the church and you unplug from the family of God, it's really just all about you and whatever makes you feel comfortable. But when you step into the family of God, you're, you're built together into a, an incredible line, a dwelling place of God in the spirit. That's why I want you to be in a small group. That's why I want you to come to worship, but also come to a small group where you're being challenged and related to and interacted with, with people all day long. People challenge us to grow. People lead us and encourage us. People mentor us. We are grown through the debates that we have. We are grown through the conversations we have. We're grown through the differences that we have with each other. When people challenge us, when people encourage us, we're growing, we're growing. I need people that are different than me to help me know what that's like, to live like that in this world, so I can be more and more like Christ. We need each other. And what an amazing journey we're called to take. See, the bottom line is you're being built, you're being matured, and you're being elevated. As a follower of Jesus Christ through involvement in the local church, what's up about the church is God grows us up through the church of Jesus. God did not call us and save us to enslave us, but to empower us to be more than we ever thought we could be through his power and through his ability. See, the church is up, and I'm up on the church because it grows me, and it matures me, and it admonishes me. Boy, this is an amazing text, folks. The church is where everyone can belong. The church is where everyone can stand. The church is where everyone can fit and contribute. And the church is where everyone, no exceptions, can grow and progress. Yes, even you. But there's one question I want to ask before I conclude these four things. And the question is, if that's true about the church, how do you get into the church? How do you get in? And for that, you just go back a few verses to verse 8, 9, and 10. You see, Paul has been building a foundation from where we were to where we come to Christ and then who we are in Christ as the church. And here's what he says about coming to Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. And then verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. 
You see, if you're a part of the church today, it's because God yesterday said, I want him in the church. If you're a believer today, it's because God said yesteryear, I see them in eternity future and I want to call them out from the world and I want to give them my son Jesus and his death on the cross because I want them to be a part of my forever family and I want them to be included and I want them to grow and I want them to fit and contribute and I want them to stand firm on all the truth that I've given them. And the only test to fellowship for you being in all that is that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Have you ever done that? Because if you've done that, then you've automatically been made a part of the body of Christ. But if you've never done that, you can join Christ today. And by joining Christ, you join his church. I want you to bow your head for just a few moments. And in just a moment, we're going to sing just a stanza or so of an invitation. And here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to respond to his invitation, Christ's invitation, to put your faith and trust in him alone. It means that I'm asking you today to trust Jesus and not yourself, Jesus and not your religion, Jesus and not any good works you've done. But to say today, Jesus, I'm trusting you to forgive me of my sin and give me the gift of eternal life. That is, responding to his love to you that he gave to you on the cross. And it may be today, beyond that, that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you've never made a decision to join his local church. And this is an expression of the church worldwide, the local church of Jesus. Today, you can step forward. And you can speak those words to somebody at the front. I'm going to ask our counselors to come up right now. And as they come, they're going to face you. And I'm going to ask all, all to stand together. Father, as we stand in Jesus' name today, and as we prepare for these moments of invitation, I ask you to move in our hearts that we can respond well to the call to follow Jesus and the call to be a part of the church. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that in spite of who we are, where we've been, you've made yourself available to us today. And over these next two or three minutes, Father, help us to have the courage and boldness to walk across the room to talk to someone about this decision to follow Jesus or the decision to be a part of the church today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.